Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Kenya's biggest conversation that's broadcast live every weekday morning from 6 to 10 a.m. on Spice FM. Hit subscribe for more thought-provoking conversations with your hosts Eric Latif, Ndu Oko and C.T. Muga and who's who of an eclectic mix of guests from the world of politics, policy, business and culture. This is a Situation Room podcast. Enjoy. We have a guest who's joining us in the studio. He's a journalist. He's from Uganda. He's a producer of Current Affairs at Vision Group. His name is Paul Musharizi. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Welcome to Kenya's Biggest Conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Karibu sana to Nairobi. You've been here for a couple of days. Yes, about a week or so. Doing one or two things. Yeah, well, training journalists uh-huh. on illicit financial flows. Illicit financial uh, flows. Uh, uh, no, no, no. The way you put it, how you to recognize, oh, not yeah, how to do it. I have no expertise in how to do it, but I can uh, recognize it somehow. Uh-huh. Yeah, for reporting purposes. Yes, okay. <laughs> for reporting purposes. Karibu <laughs> sana. <laughs> Tell us about Vision Group where you work in uh, Uganda. Oh what well, do do? Uh, it's. Uh, I, I'm embarrassed to say it in the, this magnificent place, but yeah. it's our biggest media house in in, in Uganda. Mm. Um, newspapers, TV, radio, uh, online, that kind of business. It's been in operation now for about what 28 years, 27 years, and uh, yes, it's trying to hold fort in an increasingly dangerous uh, media environment. What's increasingly dangerous? What does that mean? I mean, legacy media is, you know, we like to think we're hanging on, but kind of we're on our way out. Yeah, yeah. We're no longer the the gatekeepers of what is considered uh, news and relevant. People are now making their own choices on social media, what is relevant, and I think we are not uh, quite keeping up with them. Mm. Which is a hard, which is a hard order. I mean, a tough order because uh, it's kind of democratized. Those days, you decide. Uh, today, I think the big news is. Uh, demonstration here mm. but guys have decided that the news is uh, you know somebody's uh, funny video that has come out so yeah. you know you, you're, you're totally off, off off the thing and it's showing the numbers yeah i don't know whether you feel it here but so legacy media is basically just off the pulse many times of the majority more times than we like to think and yeah. we care to admit yeah sad ah. very sad but we're hanging there it's, uh, it's true yeah. and we have to keep having these conversations and seeing how to act and uh, moving to the next one so you've also authored a book and we've been talking about that book the house that museveni built yes the house that museveni built what's this book about well uh so i've been a columnist at the, at the new vision which is part of the vision group for at least maybe 20 years and in that time you're trying to put context to events that are happening uh, you know during the week <coughs> So, the idea was that, uh, okay, so then those columns, I then would, I compiled them into a blog. So, in 2021, I hit the 1,000th blog. So, I thought, you know, there must be a way to commemorate this. Mm. And then someone said, uh, why don't you write a book? And then I thought about all the pain of writing a book. And then someone said, no, but you can do it, uh, an e-book. Mm. Hmm. So, that was interesting. So, I went on Amazon and, you know, they have their step-by-step thing. Mm. So the, ch- the challenge was, what would the book be about? And I thought, um, you know, this book has been about Uganda. Mm. And the one constant factor, obviously, over those times has been uh, President Yori Museveni. And 
Oh, for for better or for worse, um, whatever is happening now, whatever has happened in the last so many twenty years, mm. uh, he's 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 had a significant role to play, if not a major role. So I thought, you know, the house that Museveni built, kind of uh, a play on the Nasser Rhyme, I think, mm. uh, the house that Jack built. <laughs> and uh, so 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 then so then so then I tried to get um, a few columns that speak to that to that to that theme that this. This is the house that Museveni built. Mm. So it's it's broken into four parts. Um, there's the politics, basically how you know the NRM come into power, how they consolidate power, and how they continue to, you know, perpetuate themselves down the years. There's um, geopolitics, a bit um, a bit mention of how they've through their own. Uh, well, let's say Museveni's uh, force of will or something has, you know, kind of orchestrated things in the region, and then uh, economics, which is uh, the which I. In many ways, is their biggest strength. Mm. Uh, how they have totally turned us around from being a basket case to, you know, something to talk about. Mm. Mm. And then finally, I, which is the favorite part of me for, for me in the book, is uh, what we have become as a result. So it's then a few, uh, you know, articles about commentaries about the things that have happened. Mm. Uh, that you looked at in, in a different context might sound crazy, but this is now what we've become. You know, we're we're a bit. We're, we're very sanctimonious as a people as a country as a people mm. we're very sanctimonious but we're very corrupt at the same time mm. uh, we are very um we try to be serious but we will not uh, lose an opportunity to party mm. uh we are you saying you cannot party and be serious at the same time <laughs> <laughs> not the way we do it not the way we do it in uganda you have to choose you have to make a choice when you're partying you're not serious yeah, yeah, yeah. but that the level of partying that is being alluded to here sounds like it's serious, serious party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what is so serious in that context you are describing, uh, you know, uh, the intensity uh, of the partying, but not that uh, you know we're taking ourselves very seriously. And so we've come. We, so at the end of the book, basically, I'm thinking that this is the people we now have become. Uh, we are. We're a bit flighty. We're a bit short attention spanned people. We are a bit. Uh, but we're very hard we were very hard workers not necessarily working smart mm. we like to show activity mm. Mm. even if it's not <laughs> delivering yeah. uh, so we, we've come it's an attempt come without come saying what way. we are yeah. to show what we've, we've come of, okay. kind of become it was it was necessary then i guess for you to bring out a lot of the history uh, in terms of what happened uh, struggle towards you know the nrm and all of those intrigues was it necessary to look at that history to arrive at that conclusion to say that you know this is what uganda this is what ugandans are uh, governance and otherwise and all of this is a sum total of these experiences historically and present yeah absolutely i mean um, you know just briefly um we gained independence in 1962 although there's a lot of history before then of course mm -hmm. we gained independence in 1962 uh, by 1971 we got our first coup although some people say 1966 was our first coup because the prime minister overthrew the, the president at the time mm -hmm. <laughs> 1971 we, we get Idi Amin and for eight years we just go into the real dark ages real regression in, in very many ways and one of the things actually that come out of the Amin era is because there was so much uh, terror and, uh, and, 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 and general terror. We, we began to live for the day. Uh, and, and people who are older than me tell me that it was a very serious thing to say goodbye to somebody in the morning when they're going to work because you never know. Mm -hmm. wow. They might not come back. It, it was a real, real, real thing. You actually mean it when you say Yeah, you don't goodbye. just 
take off <laughs> and, uh, and say, oh, I forgot to say bye to that person. No, it was really real. So we began to become really day-to-day uh, -day livers. We live day-to-day, hand-to-mouth and that kind of stuff. So then, I mean, it get, gets, thrown, gets thrown out. And then for another, in, uh, that's about 1979. Then for another six years, we have a bit of... Uh, yeah, stability but it's chaotic because part of the reason is of course the NRM is in the bush causing mm. chaos mm. Uh, and then in 86 then Museveni comes mm. and um, you know um, he him and his NRM you know understand that you know this business of sharing power with people just doesn't work we just have to <laughs> subdue everyone and we run this joint <laughs> So and, and 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 but it all comes out of the his, that history. President yeah. Museveni, even he could have gone to Macquarie University, but he goes to Dar es Salaam University, mm. and Dar es Salaam University at the time was a hotbed of Pan-Africanism yes. and all that kind of business. And in fact, um, his thesis in his undergrad year was something to do with the, the justification of violence in political on political something like that. So you can see, it's all context. It, it all comes. So it comes to 1986. And, uh, you know, the president in NRM is, is met with this reality. First of all, you know, when you're in the opposition, you think you can fix everything. Then mm -hmm. you sit there and you realize, uh-oh, oh, <laughs> you know, things are really tight. So they came in. Um, people say they had um, Marxist leanings, but when you read the stuff, mm. they were young guys. Of course, when you're younger, you, you want to tend towards that kind of uh, political ideology. But mm. they, they were realists and they realized that this, this, these things of socialism what mm. they might not work They're in our circumstances <laughs> we need to generate the wealth yeah. to distribute you can't yeah. distribute poverty oh, you can but well, you know you it's, it's very painful yeah. mm. and uh, so then that's how we get into the world <laughs> bank and the imf and the economy then is kind of kind of picked up mm. and uh, yeah so this you can see the context we come yeah. from a place of pain and uh, we have to make our own decisions we have to make our own allies we have to we have to u-turn on certain things we believe and then you come to this point mm. yeah mm. you know if you look at the history of uganda hmm, and you look at how the country evolved to the point where it was the property of the british you look at the kingdoms that uganda had and you look at just the the cultural wealth of the country you look at Milton Obote coming in as president. There's always this question that as Africans we ask ourselves. Because what you've described of Uganda is a matter of what has happened on this continent from one place to the other. Just variations of the same thing. Yes. Well, you have to ask, at what point, because now this is an African question, not a Ugandan question, not, not Kenyan. At what point did the rain start beating us? <laughs> But at what point did they remove the umbrella? Yes. Because <laughs> I think the rain was always right. there. There was always rain. <laughs> I love that. Huh? What point did they remove the umbrella? Did we even know there was an umbrella? Yeah. Hmm? I mean, it's an interesting question. You can talk about it till the cows come home. Yes. Um, but uh, it's not in this book, I think. But uh, I've written a commentary before that one of the reasons we got independence is not because we had... Um, forced the Muzungu to a point where he says, ah, you know you guys what happened. The British basically were broke after the Second World War. And they just need to shed all these things. Excess fat. Yeah. And keep the uh, management to a bare minimum. So, I mean, uh, there's a book I've just finished reading called The Legacy of Violence. I think you probably know about it. It's a, it's a sequel to a book uh, called, I think, The Kenyan Gulag. And uh, the, she, the, the person basically says that in 1945, when they came out of the war, they were dire straits. 
there were people like Winston Churchill thought that this kingdom empire will go on until mm. never it will never end but the economic reality was so we're not ready I mean in Uganda for example they tell me or I read a World Bank report we had 300 A-level students A-level uh, Kenyans might not know A-level now because mm. they dropped it in 1985 but uh, A-level is after the four years of high school mm. so the two years so if you have 300 guys there that means how many will go to university yeah maybe what mm. less than 100 mm. so you can imagine that independence you had less than 100 guys going to university i mean mm. you had no capacity you, you you it was nice to say we we're independent but we were just nowhere <laughs> we we're nowhere and so and, and i think that was part of the problem we just had no capacity mm. you know the so it came too soon it came too soon there are arguments that mm. favor what you've just said but then if i go further south and look at a country like botswana and in that same period and you compare it with uganda uganda had capacity well uh, i think the beauty of botswana also is that uh, if i'm not wrong they're like more or less one uh, one group yes and they had a one, king, one ethnic group, one ethnic group and yeah. they had a, a centralized uh, kingdom they had a kingdom structure they did which is already holding them together mm. Now, for the rest of us, <laughs> I don't know, Kenya, 45 uh, the tribes, uh, Uganda, we have another 40-something, God knows. Uh, you, you, you know, you, it, you just knew that it was going to be a problem. These guys are already under centralized authority. Mm. I mean, even in Uganda, we have a kingdom like Buganda, which was already a centralized authority. And it's and when the British come and they decide, you know what, let's not fix what ain't broke. Mm. And they use the kingdoms as agents of, of their own thing. But they found this structure so i imagine in my mind botswana that's its biggest thing it, it it's very true also the advantage of uh, you know minimalist population in terms yes, of numbers it comes into numbers but then we have a country that neighbors us immediately who you could say have similar traits somalia mm. same language but they have clans but they didn't have a centralized uh, power uh it depends on how far back in history you go to Mm. Yes, and it depends on who colonized them mm. and their system of colonization. The, the, the reason why I'm asking these questions is because it bothers me. I, 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 there's always the possibility that the chaos we think we've left behind can visit us again. No doubt. So I have to ask the question: When did it start? When did it start raining? When did they remove the, the umbrella? When, yeah, because if 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 this question isn't responded to, understood adequately, the likelihood of returning back to that chaos mm. is even greater, and it will be worse. Because in this information age, can you imagine how quickly information yeah. will spread and how quickly it can be taken up and how quickly a problem can actually be escalated? Yeah, absolutely. I think that. Um, this is my own uh, not my own thinking but what i think is that um, some people will not be happy with this is that uh, the problem with us is that we are too many poor people and uh, poor people have uh, very little interest an interesting story was told of singapore they when he wanted link when he wanted to improve their their lot so he built them flats and gave them ownership and found a way to give them ownership you know you you pay but mm -hmm. it's yours you'll pay over whatever period it's yours he said the quality of demonstrations changed because a man knows my friend i can't throw literally i cannot <laughs> i cannot throw a stone at that window when i know i have a window the other side <laughs> and that at a demonstration people would pick up their motorbikes from downstairs and carry them up before they go to demonstrate <laughs> so the, i think the quality of our I mean, the poverty among us is is is, is, is a ticking time bomb mm. and that's why we the danger i think 
that we can always reg regress. Just but if like you look this. at all societies, I mean, all societies had very poor people at some point. But then systems established, well, they were established. In fact, in many of these societies, somebody else came and conquered them and created a organized system for them, them and organized people. And then the people were so organized that they actually overthrew the guy who came and set up the system and started running the system. There was some moment of chaos, but over time, they found a way to flow. Because it's the same thing. We, before the colonialists came, we had our own chaos. Raiding each other, you know, this is a normal thing. You go there, you raid them, you take their women, you take their children, you take their cows. You it's interesting, you started with women. You know, yeah. Because that's what used to happen. It's the women and the children, you know, and the, and the animals. <laughs> and then the colonialists comes and establishes this other system that then does, does away with our usual thing of raiding and and creates this other system and now we gain independence and we don't go back to our old thing we adopt this system i think we are getting to a place where we are now getting to understand this system and working with that system so the chaos that city is talking about like you know in those years of the 60s the first decade of 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 independence in africa and the coup d'etats and all it's basically as people just trying to utilize a system they didn't mm. understand now we've seen a reduction of coups well there are a couple of countries of course but then we've seen a reduction <laughs> of coups we've seen museveni staying in office for this long and there's nobody in the bush well there has been a guy in the bush but that guy we don't know <laughs> we don't know which bush yeah but at least there's you know there's there's a semblance of now a system there's always that fear of what happens after museveni well, well there's a likelihood of a return some of these things some of these things are also a bit uh, can you call it cosmetic mm. so when you talk about poverty uh, those countries which have survived you know without going to chaos or have passed that chaotic they because they have a, a critical mass of, mm. of middle class and upper class yeah. who hold this system down essentially you know we say guys we can't go down this route let's resolve our issues that's mm. where democracy comes in okay we disagree you have a party that's side. i have a party this side we talk over tea and sometimes we conspire against the masses yeah. but anyway yeah. <laughs> we, we keep this thing keep this thing afloat so the question for us is have we reached that critical mass of people mm. that in can hold because even even in in, in this you know the more advanced economies mm. the poor are more than the rich or mm. the middle class it's, yeah there's no place i think where that pyramid is inverted mm. so it's just about have we built that critical mass of of, of people who are who have a real interest in our in our countries mm. uh, you know if you have your land and your your house there you, you, it's, you know it's beyond uh, having these things mm. you, you, you you have a real interest not just going and singing national anthems and stuff but, yeah but if you don't have then your, your context, the way you operate changes and we have a critical mass of those people and that's probably the challenge. Yeah. Uh, the problem with that, of course, is that when you create those kind of people, they become a problem to the people in power. <laughs> thinking too much, <laughs> making too much noise. You know, and Asking so, so the, the people in power, uh, they're between a, a, what you call a rock and hard place. Mm. We want stability, so we need to grow these guys. Mm. But we want to stay here, so it's better for us if mm. these other poor guys are more. But anyway. Mm. But Paul, when you talk of poverty, what are we talking of? Because it's material economic poverty, or is it a poverty of spirit? I'm going to explain why I'm asking this question. The, the thing that colonization did, the remarkable thing that it did, it left us disenfranchised. 
when your way of life is interfered with as conclusively as the colonialists did, the very soul of your existence is more or less moved away. So the biggest battle you're fighting is coping with this new ethos that you've been introduced to and trying to marry it with something that you have scant memory of another inter intervening years. It, it's actually even not there. We had our problems, yes, but there was an understanding as to how one went about their lives on a daily basis. There, there was a clear understanding. One may not think so, no. but, but, but there was. Now, I am looking at Yoweri Museveni, the president of Uganda. When you Google search it and look at Wikipedia, there is no positive adjective that is used to describe his rule. It's either despotic or it's a dictatorship. And yet, you cannot deny that his term in power has brought about stability to the country. You can talk around it. You can talk about people who've been caned, beaten, sent to jail arbitrarily. You can say, you can say what you like. But, large picture. Now, what I'd like to know about the larger picture is, would you say that the lives of the common man in Uganda has improved significantly during this rule? I think uh, <clears throat> the, the, uh, what we are, I, th I think what anyone who watches Uganda seriously agrees upon is that um, there's been uh, economic growth. Mm -hmm. The challenge is that that economic growth has not been uh, shared, you can call it equitably. Mm -hmm. like everyone hasn't had a fair thing. Just a simple statistic, 70%, up to 70% of our people derive a livelihood from the land. Mm -hmm. But agriculture accounts for only 26% of GDP. Just those numbers just tell you that there are some guys who are just, they've missed out on, on, on the action. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's where the challenge is. Uh, that that uh, this growth which we have, which is indisputable, has has not been equitably uh, spread out, and it's really a function, obviously, of um, uh, I, I, you know I, it's known that uh, the private sector creates a growth, and the government should be the one which distributes. Now, mm -hmm. if if there's a failure in distribution, it's a it's a it's a failure of the government. Yep. It's not a failure of the private sector. Private sector, we did our job. Mm. We grew we, the we, we gave you the created. pie. We created the pie. Now you you're distributing. You failed to distribute the thing. That being said, I mean, how much is there to distribute? Um, you know, we have a budget now. I think it's going to be about 50 trillion Uganda shillings, um, uh, which would mean in a population of 50 million Ugandans, that's about a million shillings every Ugandan, which is about 300 dollars. For Uganda, that's what the government has budgeted for Uganda, and we keep joking at at home that if I give you three hundred dollars on January first and tell you see me again on January first next year, you'll be like, boss, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> add money here. Yeah? So the resources already, we, 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 I think we came from such a low base mm. that even now when we seem to have shown some progress, we are really still nowhere. We we just we just uh, you know. So, so I think that's been the, 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 not. I think the challenge has been that we've been struggling so hard to grow, mm. and then government, of course, as is uh, the case almost everywhere, I think, on this continent, is dysfunctional and in, a, in its inability to even use the little we have to maximize again. Mm. Uh, so, coming to thirty-seven years of uh, President Museveni, that is 
that those will be the in my mind those are the two major issues that you grew the economy thank you very much but but your dysfunctionality in your government has failed to see i mean the urban people of kampala they call the urban elite we mm. are having a, the time of our lives man it's, it's, things are good ah things are good man we 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 it compared to where we were in 1986 when we had no water and we had no power and we had no uh, basic things like soap and salt now oh man you know the other time a few years ago guys went on demonstration and the demonstration was that the sugar prices have increased we were laughing we were saying 1986 you're talking about sugar prices there's no sugar what are you talking about sugar prices increasing so the urban elite have had the time of their lives you know mm. we, we, we we are good you know we are good but again is that a critical mass and that's where mm. the challenge comes yeah mm. you small little pin at the top of the pyramid there you're having a blast these yeah. guys down here are saying and you know Excuse it's not, me, and yeah. people people like to say in uganda oh man it's a tribal thing yeah. and i tell guys listen eh? that guy who is there grinding you know grinding and you know grinding his teeth and life is beating him down the rain is is torrential on him yeah. when you pass in your car you know what tribe you are you're no. the tribe of the people who are do, who are doing this to yeah. that's the tribe yeah, yeah. Us, it's you and us, versus paul, us. Versus us. Paul. let's take a break city okay and then we continue it's 27 <laughs> minutes to 10. paul busharizi is our guest this morning he's a journalist he's a producer of current affairs at vision group one of uganda's lead media outlets not one of uganda's <laughs> leading media. <laughs> uh, okay i was getting you there yes he has also authored a book it's called the house that museveni built and that's what we're discussing this morning kerry spice paul busharizi a journalist from uganda producer of current affairs at vision group and also who has authored the book the house that museveni built city uh, interrupted a question that you were asking paul it's the question I was going to ask is, mm. you see, the um, whenever one talks about Uganda, it is impossible to talk about Uganda and not talk about Yoweri Museveni. Because the BCJ will feature the conversation. Bobby Wine has started featuring recently. But a lot of the activities that you hear from these two individuals I mentioned who are not Museveni, it's, it happens in Kampala. Mm. So the question I wanted to ask Paul was, Paul, if I look at President Museveni, I have to ask the question, his biggest power base, voter base, is it in the urban areas or is it in the rural areas? No, it's in the rural areas. And where do the majority of the Ugandans yeah, live? We have a 22% urbanization rate, so you can 78% mm. of, of, of you, the pool is outside. Is outside. And that's yeah. where the bulk of his support is. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I tell guys that politics is not a popularity contest. It's <laughs> not about... Uh, it's what can you do for me? I might not like you, mm. but uh, well, well, show me. And you know, you might say things and stuff, but being in power for that seven years, but then he's not there because people have said, ah, let's just leave him to be there. People have actively tried to get him off the seat. <laughs> people, I hear narratives where they say, ah, the man has been there for 37 years, as if as if no one is trying to get him off, off, off the seat from within and from without. Mm. Yeah. So people just make a pragmatic decision. Mm. What can this guy do for me? You look at the oppo you look at the, the alternative and you say, but really, you have your doubt to say, well, <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we should. It's not as if 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 President Museveni came down the road, there would be people putting down their their clocks on the road for him to, to ride over. Right. It's, that's not how it is. <laughs> it's just a pragmatic decision to say what who does what for me. Yeah. Yeah. Part of this, you talk about the house that uh, Museveni built, and. A group that occupied one of the rooms of this house, according to what you've written, is women. And I just wanted to, this is a, 
a part of that you've dedicated to that and just reading some of the things that you put in here you said um from the times of the bush war um the nature of the war made it impossible to ignore the women's contribution and hence rig politics to ensure that they got a place at the table um in the time of war everybody and i like because you split everybody mm. every body mm-hmm. counted you had to be in a place of struggle so women were finding themselves in the rebel ranks if they were not able to make themselves useful they were dead weight right mm-hmm. so the system more or less the system of struggle more or less forced women into positions of leadership and as serendipity would have it they ended up doing a good job yeah. and it turns out that if you look on the scale of things then uganda is probably one of the most progressive countries on the continent today in terms of the inclusion of women in its leadership and you say that looking at 2026 then uh, cabinet would have sealed the presidential election with the inclusion of women and women are not going to take a back seat anymore is this seen by far and wide that you know it is obvious the contribution that women have made to governance and leadership in uganda even in yuwari museveni's administration his wife being of i mean front and center as well well first of all and that's the i like that you picked up on the genesis that when you're in the when you're in the bush when you're a guerrilla everything has to work you can't be there chilling in the corner and everyone is doing things everyone has to be involved in the thing so the nature of the of the struggle was that you're you're drawing your your forces or your people or fighting people from the from the public the general public but sometimes as has been described in other places when you come under attack you have to move with whole populations yeah. now you can't say okay women you stay children stay so we're going with the men only mm. no you can't do that mm. So then in that process the women find they have to they have to operate as I said you can't have dead weight. Mm. So when the NRM comes out of the bush it understands immediately that look it can't say okay thank you ladies you can go back home now. Yeah. No it, it it understands that these people are useful even in their in, in themselves. Mm. Well they can go back home and start families but we still need them in the thing. And and it's out of that realization which was really if you think about it a really politically brilliant thing. You bring in 51% of the population. Yeah. Now, 37 years down the line, uh, there are some things women just take for granted that why not? Why can't I be in it? You know, in other places you might find women saying slinking off to the side and saying, mm. "Ah, that's the man's place." Mm. But in Uganda, a woman stands up and says, "I'm here," mm. and oh, no one oh, is looking at her like, "Sha, who are you?" No, mm. people are like, "Oh yeah, okay, she's also here. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, take that into consideration." And that's a big thing psychologically for 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 everybody mm. by the way mm. so i mean you know in the last the last three years more women have graduated from makere undergrad than men mm. it's an amazing statistic right. people are not paying attention to three years despite the fact that yeah despite the fact that mm. at the beginning of their classes or their their cohorts the men are more mm. but women come on the other side mm. Staying power. and we have our all, all sorts of theories for mm. that one of which was in around 1990 the, the government gave women 1.5 points in addition to their a level marks to get into university mm. and that that those ladies those women in 1990 who got those marks are the mothers of the women now right so there's and a the, case for affirmative action there's yes the yes. suggestion is uh. that you know those days uh, you know if the resources become short and it's time to decide you say the guy goes and the woman you you relax yeah. but the mother now who's been through education says no 
my daughter also my has daughter. to go and i have the means mm. and i have the i have the will to make it happen so mm. maybe that's what's happening and mm. it's you know some of these things the movements take a long time to recognize mm. and and by the time they 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 gather traction you can't remember what what causes what the beginning. Caused. but yeah that's true and uh, we, we take it for granted now. Mm. We don't understand probably where it came from. We think everybody should be like this. Mm. When we go to other countries, we're shocked. We're like, how come there are no women? <laughs> especially our women, by the way. Yeah. They go for conferences, workshops abroad. They're like, what's going on here? Why aren't people speaking up? Yeah, because it's interesting. Because you talk about the chagrin <laughs> with which, you know, um, people in the United States were shocked. Finally, first woman vice president. And yeah, Ugandans exactly. will be like, what's that about? a big deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... Uh, so there's a there's a there's, there's been a mind shift over obviously the last 30 years about women's uh, importance in thing of course mm-hmm. you know women will always uh, will all, men will always try to maintain the status quo but it's becoming harder and harder to because <laughs> you have to keep conceding an inch and inch and inch and you look back and say oh, you've gained this guy's a mile why don't you try and you try to take it back and they're like hey wait 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 stay stay on that you side please here. we're coming yeah, so the, the struggle about. is still there for women. Mm. I'm sure you talk to women in Uganda, they'll mm. tell you the struggle is still there. But I think, you know, some, some, some momentum has been created. Mm. What do you say about the 2026 and the next election and the role that you see women playing in it? What exactly do you mean and what do you see? Uh, no, I mean, uh, okay, so the way the women are in, in Uganda's political structure, that at every district level, they have a, they have a seat, a dedicated seat every 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 level of government so that goes all the way from parish um county district uh, you know there's a there's a dedicated place for everyone even in parliament they have dedicated there's a, there's a district woman and stuff so if you think about it from a political point of view you've actually co-opted 52 percent of the population 51 percent of the population mm. just by mere fact they say if you go that direction we have a chance mm. You know, of course, unfortunately, if you're in the position, you really can't make that case because you're small resources. These guys have showed you. We do it. Mm. So, so, so you can imagine women's um, bias would be more towards the NRM than anyone else, just by mere fact that we see there is a chance. This is where there. they have it. And again, not because we like you, mm. but you, we see there is space what here you for, do us. for us. Can, yeah. yeah, what are you going to do for us? Mm. Yeah. Mm. You delve into a bit of Kenyan politics. Sorry, CT. It's all right. And another <laughs> chapter, which was very interesting, that uh, you called Uganda stirs up Kenyan politics. Rather, Ugandan sugar stirs up Kenyan politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, the <laughs> you know length and breadth of it essentially being that look. Kenya had a bit of an issue. You started off, interestingly, with a line, perennial nearly man of Kenyan politics, Rilo Dinga, kicking up a storm in the sugar-growing regions of Western Kenya and talking about the... Um, and that was in 2015. That was in 2015, you yeah. said that, yeah. yeah. And you said uh, that, you know, Kenya is not able to keep up with the demand, first of all. Kenyan sugar is extremely expensive. But at the same time, Kenya is having a problem taking sugar from uganda i mean you went on and then at the end you said the writing is on the wall for the kenyan sugar industry either they restructure it completely including uprooting the sugar barons in whose interest the status quo works or let the interest industry die with no help from uganda absolutely <laughs> no i mean you know it's a long story i mean and we're even beginning to suffer the same in, in uganda but uh, uh, you know a lot of those industries in western kenya were uh, set up or or, 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 or or benefited from Uganda's inadequacies. Mm. And one of them is the sugar industry on that side. And once Uganda 
you know begins to become uh, independent you know self sufficient in sugar then uh, big things begin to happen around western uganda and mumias and the sugar and, and if you're not efficient then you, you, trouble catches up with you. you previously you could you could do what you want after all they'll buy what, what's the problem yeah what's the problem <laughs> But then, obviously, you guys know better than we do that there's an interest group that is also interested in killing those industries so they can import the sugar. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, f for Dinga, what I read in 2015 was that he probably worked out that these numbers who are going to be disenfranchised by the importers are a good base to have. Mm. So let's shut out the Ugandans <laughs> so that we give these guys a chance. Mm. And uh, when the election are coming, and we shall sort things properly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, you, you, you. I keep telling guys that there are laws of economics. They are like gravity. You know, it, it, to, 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 to take to take a, a, an airline off the ground, a plane off the ground, takes a lot of energy, yeah. a lot of power, and all that. And keep it in there. You can only do that temporarily. And when the, you know the, the power and energy and the resources, you come down. Yeah. So in economics, when you try to to artificially create uh, situations, it, it takes energy. And then at some point, you're going to have to say, "Oh, guys, okay, you'll run out." See you guys. Mm. So I, I see it that uh, you know, okay, Uganda, we're having our problems now in the sugar industry. But I see it that uh, you know, maybe Western Kenya needs to think less about sugar and do other things mm. and <laughs> stuff. And especially since Odinga didn't win in 2022, he postponed the, <laughs> the reckoning. I don't know why he's postponing the reckoning. But you know, you need to really think seriously about just letting it go. Mm. I come from that region and I don't grow sugar. I used to. Uh, yeah, the economics decided. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. You you might as well just let your neighbor's cows graze on your land. It it makes far more sense and it it brings about good neighborliness. Yeah. But I wanted to ask this question. Cheaper. You know, there's uh, one of the things that President Museveni has done. It's almost unparalleled on the planet. The number of advisors he has. <laughs> yes. Okay. How um, many does he have currently? One forty-one, I think. Or are there more? I don't know. Okay. Hey. Last time I counted was 141. What? How many of them are women? I don't know. Uh, hmm. There must be a significant number of women. You see, I, I look at that system that he has created. Politically speaking, it's a stroke of genius. Mm -hmm. Politically speaking, mm -hmm. uh, I'm careful with my words here because if you have people whom you've worked with, either you were in the bush, wh whatever the history is, some don't get elected, some don't quite... Something happens. But essentially you're saying there's a place for you. Yes. Mm. He said it before. There are many rooms in my father's house. Absolutely. So you need not feel you, you've been disenfranchised. Mm. You'll be given something. You'll be have an office, an income, probably a vehicle and a driver. Now, uh, why I'm saying is politically astute. <clears throat> the disgruntlement that often follows just the political goings-ons, it's minimized. Mm. It's not eliminated, mm. but it's minimized. Because usually, if I look at political positions within this continent, well, I guess elsewhere, but the continent, mm. the people who tend to give you the biggest problem are people you've worked with closely. Mm. Yeah, and are not in the loop. Yes, because when they move out, they, be, they, they become very, very, very astral enemies. They are yeah. people who can give you a lot of problems because they know you, they understand you, and they also understand the system. Yeah. Now, the question. Succession. Mm. There has to be a succession plan. Well, I tell people that the succession plan is already there. Mm. 
According to the Constitution of Kenya of Uganda, the vice president takes over from the president. And I think uh, it's again a political move to be as if this is inconsequential. Mm. But if we were to say, guys, we want to build institutions, what, how, who is the next president of Uganda? Who, what is the process of the next president? It's already in the books. It's all in there. Now, I can imagine it playing very well into Museveni's um, favor if you guys ignore this, because then I become the guy who decides. Yes. Yeah? And uh, if I was the one, I also wouldn't uh, dissuade you from <laughs> that <laughs> line of thinking, because it makes me relevant. But the truth is, the, 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 the process is already in, the process is in place. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if you're to that, be clinical... That's in emergency succession. But even the party, even let's assume, the NRM party is the dominant party. Uh -huh. Even within that party, there is a process mm -hmm. of who takes over, how do you do it? It's all so written down. The next down. candidate is basically like the next the deputy. In theory, president. yeah, or who they decide will be, okay. and there's a process of decision making, mm -hmm. which again we don't want to overplay because then you it might it might take away from me. Mm -hmm. But the, the the point for me the whole idea and 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 for me this book was like a marker. That mm. I'm saying, I'm putting this down now. Yeah. But the yeah. real book is coming later mm. because the real book will come when all these kind of things are resolved. And for me, again, talk about 37 years and advisors, and you're saying political astuteness and stuff. One of our biggest problems, I think, in Uganda is that Museveni has made this thing look so simple. That this hey, who even here can be president. That's, that's our one of our biggest problems. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's it's he has managed. He he understands. In my mind, he understands power. How to get it, of course, and how to retain it. Mm. And he's not a textbook guy. Mm. He understand. He looks at his environment. There might be textbooks on uh, power, policy, political science. I don't know, Sijinini. But he looks around and he says, "Okay, how do I fix? How do I fit this thing?" And he's very pragmatic about these things. He, he, he is uh, uh, almost amoral. He's not. He's not going to be there. I say, "What do people think about me?" Mm. Like no, 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 no. Guys, like man, we're doing this. this. Is, yeah, we're doing this. Yeah. First of all, of course, as a leader, uh, you know, a politician, you have to believe you're the one. Mm. You're, you're, the, you're the chosen one. You're the one who's taking people to the province line. Yes. If you don't believe that, you're not going to get into power. Mm. You, you, it will be, a, it will be a, I don't know, a miracle. What's a miracle? So you've got to believe. Mm. So him, he believes he's the one. Yeah? And you have not dissuaded him mm. over the last 37 or how many years. Surely. You're, in fact, several, several years said, you know, you guys, I'm, I'm the one who's always right. All of you guys, you're always wrong and wrong and wrong. Every time time comes, when, when time you passes, still vote with, me. with the passing of time, mm. I, I, I'm proven, I'm proven right. right. I'm yes. proven right. So he says, okay, fine, I'm the one. He says, this is Uganda. This is not Kenya. This is not uh, UK. This is not America. This is not uh, Russia. This is Uganda. How do I maneuver? In this context, yes. the textbooks might say what they want to say. In this context, how do I maneuver? And he's shown astuteness over 37 years. And as I said, it, like, it makes it look simple. Because when people say he's been in power for 37 years, people, especially from the outside, think we have let him yeah. be in power. This guy is fending off all sorts of, forgive my French, from all over the place, from outside, from inside, from within his party, from his family, from his, his he's juggling all these He's balls. surviving it. He is not just staying in power. And one of the things, uh, you know, people don't like to, and I, f I feel bad for them because mm. they need to recognize this. When we're here dealing with things of June 2023, mm. the guy is in June 2030. So by the time you catch up with him, ah, he's the guy, gone. he's gone, he's, he's long gone. He and people are refusing to recognize that or they, <laughs> or they don't want to acknowledge it or I don't know what they want. But, mm. And if you have a long-term player against a short-term player, yeah. chances are the long-term player is going to come through. So the one is going to yeah. emerge victorious. Paul, love him or hate much. him, that's how it works.
How about that? You made it to the end of today's podcast. You clearly ooze stamina. Guess what? Just hit subscribe at Standard Media Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Our podcasts drop daily. From me and the team, catch you next time. Bye-bye.